0: what's up everybody episode 103 of the high Affinity podcast the podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture i'm your host jacob and we got a great show wind up for you today folks on today's episode we're talking about anime because the two most popular animes out at the moment have released dates for their upcoming films and you know i gotta talk about the nba playoffs the conference finals are underway and it has been crazy so sit back relax and enjoy the show Yes, yes, that time we everybody episode 103 of the High and Infinity podcast. The podcast dedicated to everything sports and nerd culture. Like always, I'm your host Jacob. And first time listen to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. And Any returning listener, we're glad to have you back for another fantastic episode. And please make sure you go follow us on our social media networks. We have Facebook at High on Infinity Podcast. We got Instagram and Twitter at High Infinity Pod, or just follow me on my personal accounts. Instagram and Twitter at SoYamAsian. If you did not get all that, just hit the link tree, link up in the bio of the podcast. That's all our podcast social media sites and our podcast streaming platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. And last but not least, if you like what you hear, please leave your boy a five-star review on your preferred streaming platform. So hope everybody's doing good, you know, having a great week, either at work, school, or just a great week in life in general. I'm doing pretty good myself haven't really been up to nothing much this past week besides watching some great nba games over the weekend and i'll get into that later but over the weekend i did finish the show i've been watching for the past couple months or so and the show was teen wolf i think it was on uh it was on mtv back in the day and i was an avid teen wolf watcher back in my college days but i fell off towards the last couple seasons then i saw hulu had it but since i'm poor i have hulu with commercials Then I remember that Amazon Prime had it, too. And I was like, you know what? I've been meaning to watch more stuff on Amazon Prime. So I started all the way back from the beginning and watched all six seasons, things like 100 episodes total. Overall, I liked it. You know, the later seasons had a lot of stuff that didn't make sense to me plot-wise. Like, I thought they were just doing a little too much. Like, they had some great, like, plot premises, but it could have been executed just a little bit better. Now, I need something new to binge because... I've been thinking about getting my Netflix back for a while now. I don't think I had Netflix for probably almost a year. I think the last thing I watched on Netflix was the new season of Ozark. So I may get that back, but I don't know yet. So let's get into the topics for this episode. Let's talk about some anime. Haven't spoke about anime on a podcast in a minute, but we got some great anime news the past couple weeks. First off, the Demon Slayer movie for my Demon Slayer people. The Demon Slayer movie is now on Funimation, just got put on Funimation, I think a couple days ago. So you know I'm going to go back and watch it again because it's a great movie. Of course, you know, you're a regular listener on the podcast. I talk about Demon Slayer plenty of times on here from the movie coming out in America down to the season two release date. And Speaking of season two, word on the street is that season two will be out this October. But I'm going to hold off on talking about that until we get like, you know, an official announcement. Hopefully that is soon. Uh, Moving on, two of the most popular animes out at the moment just announced release dates for their upcoming movies. First up is uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. Well, this is actually a prequel to the anime Jujutsu Kaisen. And if I'm correct, this takes place, I want to say a year before the anime starts. I actually read the manga to uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero over this past weekend, you know, I got done reading, like, an arc in the main manga. So I decided to read it because there's only, like, four chapters or issues. Whatever you want to say about it and you know, whatever you want to call it. Also, I wanted to read it because so I know what the hell I'm talking about when talking about this movie. So, what is Jujutsu Kaisen? Well, first off, the pronunciation is kind of hard itself. I kept saying Jujitsu for, like, the first couple weeks. But I can't lie to y'all. I still have trouble explaining this anime and premise of this show. Usually when I explain it to somebody, I'm like... Once you understand their power system, it gets a lot easier, you know, because a lot of anime shows have like a power system of some sort, you know, Dragon Ball Z has Chi, Naruto has Chakra, Hunter x Hunter has Nen, which I still don't understand to this damn day, and Jujutsu Kaisen has something called Cursed Energy, and why like Cursed Energy is like, it's generated from like negative emotions that humans give off, mainly like anger and grief, so technically almost every human has some form of Cursed Energy You know, some has it more than others. And for people with, like, higher levels of cursed energy, they can see things called cursed spirits, or curses for short. They're, like, the main antagonists of the show. And to combat these curses, people are trained to become Jujutsu sorcerers. And there's, like, schools and stuff like that. I say, I'm making some flack for this, but Jujutsu Kajin is, like, I say, like, My Hero Academia meets Ghostbusters, in a way so hopefully I explain you know that premise good enough for y'all to understand it but yeah I highly recommend uh the anime Jujutsu Kaisen I think it's on yeah it's on Crunchyroll and I want to say it's on HBO Max 2 and I have been reading that Netflix may be getting this soon as well but season one was very good I like the direction that the manga's going for season two and people are already predicting that Jujutsu Kaisen will be that next anime to make it big over here in America but back to the movie jujutsu kaisen zero was announced i want to say like right after season one ended they put out a little teaser trailer but no full length trailer as of yet also no release date when they announced the movie back at that time until a couple weeks ago it was announced that jujutsu kaisen zero will come out christmas eve this year but in japan then of course you know it'll be out in the states sometime 2022 usually it takes about six or so months for it to make it to the states so, it'll be about about this time next year in America. Now, on to another anime that's already popular in America. One of my favorites out. You already know what it is My Hero Academia. To be honest, My Hero Academia has been killing it in all aspects. Wait, we. The anime is great. And in a few weeks, they're going to show the most anticipated art to date My Villain Academia. And the manga, on the other hand, is on another level. They're going on about a year or so with just great content coming out. Great storytelling, moments, fights, and character development. The manga is hitting on all cylinders right now. And continuing with this great run that My Hero Academia is on, they just announced the release date for their third movie, My Hero Academia, World Heroes Mission. Like I said, it's the third movie that My Hero Academia is putting out. They announced it sometime last year, I think. And I spoke about it on the podcast, but not in great detail. I think I just... Said it in passing or somewhat but the first my hero academia movie two heroes it was pretty good i wish they would have highlighted some of the side characters a little more because that would make my hero academia good to me you know everybody gets a little shine but the second movie my hero academia heroes rising that's definitely one of the best animated movies i've ever seen There's literally non-stop action like the last 30-45 minutes of that movie. It's fantastic. There's nothing much else I need to say about that. Now, we're on the third movie coming up for this anime. Last week, they put out the first trailer for this film. Looked really good to me. If I had to take a guess, this movie won't be canon to the anime. And canon is basically like it goes with the story. But I don't think it's it's, going to be canon like the first two movies weren't. And I think... I read that this movie will take place during the arc that they're covering in the anime right now, the Endeavor Agency arc. And if you read the manga of that arc, the arc mainly just center around what I call the new big three, Deku, Bakugo, and Todoroki. And I think they're going to get a lot of shot in this upcoming movie as well. So when this movie comes out, well, it's set to come out in Japan August 6th. So I would assume it will be in the States early 2022. But wrapping things up with the anime talk, I'm very excited to see these two movies whenever they come out in America. I'm not going to be too anxious like I was with the Demon Slayer movie because I think the My Hero Academia movie will not be canon and the Jujutsu Kaisen movie is a prequel and it doesn't affect what will happen in season two. The only reason I was adamant about the release date for the Demon Slayer movie because it was canon to the show. Like You need to see what happened in this movie to understand what will happen in season two. So That was my reason. But all in all... If you're a fan of jujutsu kaisen my hero academia or both like i am i think we're in for some pretty good stuff when it comes to these two movies And a playoff basketball, we just had. We had two game sevens and the start of the Western Conference Finals, and these playoffs have been eye opening to me. Even though my Lakers are no longer in the playoffs, it feels good to sit back and watch the future of the NBA on display, whether it's Luka, Booker, Tatum, Mitchell, whoever. It's good to see that the NBA is in great hands for the foreseeable future. But now we're down to the Final Four of these NBA playoffs, the conference finals. We're gonna start off in the West. We got the Suns versus the Clippers. The Suns are in the Western Conference Finals after sweeping the Denver Nuggets. And I'm not gonna lie, I was shocked that the Suns swept them because on paper I was like, damn, this is about to be a great series. This may go seven games, and I was totally wrong. <laughs> The Suns straight up dominated this series, winning three of the games by double-digit points, and with that sweep, Jokic is the first MVP to get swept in the playoffs since 1989, and it continues the drought of players that won MVP and a title in the same season. The last player to do that was Steph Curry back in 2015, and statistically, Jokic played great this series. He averaged 26, 10, and 8, but just couldn't get the same from his supporting cast, Because when they went up 3-0, I was like, man, I know Yogi's and the Nuggets can't get at least one game in this damn series. Because personally, I think it's hard to beat a team four times in a row. Eventually, one team is going to get a lucky break or simply just game plan their way to a win. But hey, against what happens. Didn't want to see my guy Yogi's go out like that, though. Credit to the Suns. They're playing fantastic. And now to the team that they are facing, the Clippers. They're in the conference finals for the first time in franchise history. I'm not going to be that guy and point out that they were out there celebrating, hugging and kissing like they won the damn NBA championship. It's just the second round. A lot of teams win second round matchups, but they did a really good job playing a really good Utah Jazz team, beating four times in a row after falling down 0-2, and they're the first team in NBA history to win multiple series after being down 0-2 in the same postseason. And just from the outside looking in, it was like the Clippers waited till they get down 0-2 and be like, okay. Now we're going to play for real now. And in the closeout game they had against the Jazz was crazy. No Kawhi, whose health is still unknown. There's some reports it may be an ACL injury. The Clippers just say it's a knee sprain or something. Hell, who the hell knows? So they're just taking it on a game-by-game basis at the moment. But Back to the closeout game. The Clippers were down 25 points in the third quarter. And they just went crazy from three in the second half. I think they shot like 50% from three in the second half. Also, Terrence Mann had the game of his life, almost scoring 40 points. I think, he had, yeah, I think he had 39 in that game. And the Clippers, as a team, straight up cooked Rudy Gobert. Because in this series, the Clippers play you know, some form of small ball. where like the tallest guy on their team was like 6'8", six, 6'9", six, tops. And the Jazz are one of the only few teams in the league that still has a traditional center. Like one who doesn't go out and shoot threes or do anything perimeter-wise. And usually when a team plays small ball, they kind of have the advantage On offense, because in today's game, Daniel, everybody playing on the floor has three-point range. When you play small ball, it drags the center around in the perimeter and basically leaves the lane wide open for people who want to drive it to the basket. And the Clippers took advantage of that mismatch. Also, I do feel bad for Donovan Mitchell. Man put his heart and soul on the floor in this playoff series and 14 to bowl a 25-point lead. Must be heartbreaking. But hey, I think Donovan Mitchell's a great player. He's a star in this league. And they'll bounce back from this, I'm pretty sure. And now to the Suns versus Clippers series. So game one was this past Sunday. The Suns won. Real good game. Back and forth the entire time. Without, you know, to play this game without Chris Paul, who was out with COVID protocol. I was like, come on, y'all. Y'all gave LeBron James the pass. Let's give Chris Paul the pass, too. Granted, we don't know the details. But I did watch the pregame show, and they said that Chris Paul will be back sooner rather than later because, when we got in the news that he was in COVID protocol, it's a 10-day minimum. So going by that, he probably would have been back game four or five. So who knows what this series was going to look like by then. So by the way, they're talking, he may be back by game three. But this game will be remembered as a Devin Booker game. A 40-point triple-double, the first triple-double of his career. Which was shocking to me because, hey, you know, in today's game, getting a triple-double happened so many times. But I assume in the past where Booker was on them terrible Suns teams, he had to put his emphasis on scoring rather than, you know, assisting and rebounding. And Booker is straight up tired of being disrespected. He's sick and tired of being sick and tired. Man wasn't named on any of the all NBA teams. And the only two times he was an all-star, I want to say that was because someone got hurt and he was an alternate. But I like Devin Booker. Even though he did eliminate my Lakers, he's been on my fantasy team for the past Three, four years, and usually if you do good on my fantasy team, I'll whack you in the real game. And Booker has been waiting for this moment his entire career because throughout his career, up until this point, people are saying, like, you know, Devin Booker is a really great player, but he doesn't have the stage to show it on. Now he's putting everybody on notice. And he is one who really trusted the process. Along with that 40 point triple double, Booker's teammates chipped in as well. All five starters had double digit points six total for the suns just a three for the clippers now on to game two game two was this past tuesday the suns won again now they lead the series 2-0 and game two was another good game but we're gonna fast forward to the last minute of the game which felt like almost a damn hour the clippers finally took the lead with like 30 seconds left then the madness began the suns took the lead back then paul george got the lead back again for the clippers now i can't lie Paul George played great for most of the fourth quarter. Like every time the Suns looked like they were about to close it out, Paul George would hit a shot to give the Clippers life again. Then the Suns drove the ball down. The court with like 10 seconds left. And it was knocked out of bounds from what it looked like. It was from the Clippers. Then they went to review the play. It took like 10 minutes to review that play. Technically, it was out on the Suns because when Patrick Beverly slapped the ball, Booker's hand was still on it and then it went out of bounds. Technically, it was out on the Suns, but usually in those situations, it's usually the person who disrupts the pass, and when it goes out of bounds, it's on them, but it was Clippers' ball. Usually, in these situations, they give the ball to the best player or best free-throw shooter. In this case, it was Paul George in those situations, who's been shooting 88% from the free-throw line this postseason up until that moment. Hell, to me, 88% is damn near automatic, so If he would have made one or both of the free throws, it would have been a one-possession game. You know, they needed a two or three to tie and send it to overtime. Then Paul George missed both of the free throws. Like, what are the odds? Of course, the Suns get the rebound. They run a play, which to me was a great play call. Wide open three from Bridges. And I always get the Bridges confused in the NBA. I always get the one from Phoenix and the one from Charlotte confused. I think Mikael Bridges is the one for the— sons yeah wide open corner three just didn't go in then it went out of bounds on the clippers like less than a second left in this situation it's usually a catch and shoot shot and the most infamous catch and shoot shot in the playoffs was the spurs versus lakers back in the 2004 playoffs and i think it was game four when Derek fisher caught it and shot it with like 0.4 seconds left in the game to win it for the lakers but the announcer was like you know they should lob it up to eight and for the dunk and i was like yeah but that never really works like the pass was always too low or too high but hell this pass was perfect and Aiden dunked it and Aiden played a great game as well hell he'd been having a great series not even series he'd been having a great playoffs this year and then to me they cheated the Suns too the game should have been over or had like 0.1 seconds left in the ball game but they gave the clippers some time but they couldn't get a shot off either way it was a great ending to a great game so the clippers are down 0-2 again granted doesn't look good but you can't count them out worst case scenario they get swept at home which i don't see happening but if they go back to phoenix down 3-1 it's over if they go back to phoenix 2-2 then it's a series but now moving on to the east the east side of the bracket in the second round was very entertaining After two great game sevens, the Eastern Conference Finals are now set. Hawks versus Bucks. Just like everyone predicted, right? And the Hawks are in the Eastern Conference Finals after beating the 76ers in a very entertaining seven-game series. I cannot lie. When this series started on paper, I was like, oh yeah, Sixers again this in five because they're the bigger team. And I thought they're just going to muscle their way through and beat the Hawks. I was like, Embiid's about to average 35-15 and 15 this series. He did average 30-12, and 12, which was still good, but Embiid must think his last name, Curry, the way he'd be hanging around the three-point line. Yes, he did shoot 35% from three in this series, which is great for a center, but it's when you shoot the threes, that's what matters because you miss a three, down two in the first quarter with three minutes left, it's way different than missing a three, down two in the fourth quarter with three minutes left. Like, I'm not supposed to be distressed watching the playoffs. For one, my team is no longer in it, so I'm just supposed to sit back, relax, and enjoy these games. But some of these games are making it hard for me to do that. Like Embiid has been punishing Capella in the paint this whole series. And when the rubber needs to meet the road, you needed to tie while you're hanging around the perimeter taking jumpers like you Kevin Durant or something. If you don't get down on the block and do some damn damage, and don't even get me started on ben simmons after that game seven i went to bed mad at ben simmons i was like why ben simmons didn't dunk the ball when he was under the rim and i woke up still mad at ben simmons like ben simmons was acting really bold in that game snatching the ball away from john collins and was trying to square up the little old trey young little old five foot ten trey young what he ever do to anybody i was like okay we step on that damn free throw line you better be just as bold and he wasn't I thought Ben Simmons was doing a damn Dougie the way he was shaking at the free throw line. Like, he legit became unplayable in crunch time late in games because of his unwillingness to shoot the ball. That's why I always give Giannis credit. Is he the best shooter? Not by a mile, but he tries. He may airball a couple threes, but he tries. It may take him 23 damn seconds to shoot a free throw, but he tries. Like, Doc Rivers took out Ben Simmons in crucial moments like... What other team would bench their second best player in that time? Lakers aren't doing it with Anthony Davis. Clippers aren't doing it with Paul George. Bucks not doing it with Chris Middleton. The Nets aren't doing it with Kyrie or James Harden. That was the first time I ever seen that happen in a game. Like, there were multiple times in the series where Ben Simmons did not attempt a shot or score zero points in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying the man is scared to shoot the basketball or go to the free throw line, but... Something is up mentally in that situation. Like, he literally has all the tools to be a top 10 player. He can play defense. He can pass. He can run an offense. He can rebound. Just need to develop some type of outside shot. And we've been saying that for, like, the past four years now. Like, this offseason, he needs to shoot nothing but jumpers and free throws. So what the future holds for the 76ers. Well, this is definitely a team I'm going to keep my eye on. This offseason, like, will they trade Ben Simmons? To me, I wouldn't be shocked either way if he stays or gets traded because the clock is ticking on this team. Like, the process has been going on for a minute now. Like, when are we gonna start seeing some results? Also, you gotta give a lot of credit to the Hawks, too. They shocked the Sixers by beating them three times in Philly. I saw a stat that the Sixers were the best home team. In the NBA over the past two years, record wise. And by watching the last few games, you could tell that the Hawks just wanted it more. In game four and five, the Hawks were down 18 and 26 points and came back to win those games. And Trey Young led the way. He averaged 29 points, 10 assists this series. To be honest, this is my first time actually really sitting down and watching Trey Young play because, you know, the first couple years, the Hawks wasn't a good team. They were barely on TV unless it was like some random tuesday night on fs1 atlanta or something like that but i did keep up with him from afar like i did you know see on twitter oh he had a crazy game where he hit a logo three and another contributing factor to the hawks winning this series was that someone else stepped up alongside trey young john collins played a great series for the most part he was getting rebounds that he had no business again over Embiid and ben Simmons and in uh, tobias harris and in game seven kyle Herter. is it kyle no it's kevin Herder. long enough for trae young to take over the fourth quarter while trae young didn't have a great shooting night game seven but he made the shots when they counted a three here a floater here a couple great assists but kudos to the hawks for making it to the eastern conference finals now on to their opponent the bucks they made the eastern conference finals by being the brooklyn nets in the best playoff series so far this year this series went from being a sweep where the Bucks were down 0-2 to probably the best two games this NBA season: Game Five and Game Seven. I spoke about this series a couple weeks ago. I was like, the Nets were up 2-0, and they were in complete control. Then Game Three, the Bucs won a low-scoring game. Hell, it felt like 1996 was like an 86-83 type ball game. Hell, nowadays in the NBA, 86-83 ball games ended the third quarter. Then the Bucks also won Game 4 by double digits. Also in Game 4, Kyrie got injured. I think he hurt his ankle and would have returned for the rest of that series. Then Game 5 happened, and this game had me stressed out too. First off, this was the first game James Harden played since injuring his hamstring back in Game 1, and the Nets just put duct tape on his damn hamstring and just threw him out there to go play. But the Nets really didn't need him because Kevin Durant put on a show 49 point triple double i watched this entire game kd was firing on all cylinders and there's a reason why they call him the easy money sniper because those shots just come so easy to him and they're silky smooth too when it goes in as well baseline shot in from the elbow in three ball in like that man is a mid-range monster and then on the other hand Giannis was the reason why i was stressed out about this game five like the Bucks could easily win this game. They were up by like 15 points at one point in time, and KD went crazy, but Giannis could have closed this game out. Like I said earlier, I applaud Giannis for trying to attempt mid-range and three-point shots, but sometimes you just got to pick and choose your spots. There was one play in the fourth quarter where James Harden was guarding Giannis, so Giannis decides to go iso and settle for a three-ball. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Your bread and butter is driving it to the hoop. You're one of the best drivers to the basket in the NBA today, along with LeBron and Russell Westbrook. Like, the only thing holding James Harden hamstring to his damn leg was duct tape and Elmer's glue. Like, Giannis, if you don't drive the damn ball on James Harden, and to me, that was one of the reasons why they lost that game. They didn't attack James Harden nearly enough as they should have. Like, no matter who was being guarded by Harden, they should have just attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked. You know, make Harden work. Like, Harden healthy isn't a defensive stopper him hobbled no pun intended that should be easy money but the bucks didn't take advantage of that then on the game six bucks won by double digits now we move on to game seven by far the best game i watched all season and i said that night if the bucks win we're drinking liquor straight from the bottle that night and the game seven lived up to the hype of a game seven by far the best playoff game i've seen since Game 5 of the NBA Finals last season and the best Game 7 I've seen since the Cavaliers-Warriors Game 7 from a few years ago. This game had it all. It was back and forth the entire game. Two great finishes at the end of the fourth quarter and overtime. Great performances. KD scored 48 points. The most ever for a Game 7. The man hit the game time shot which we thought was the game winner if only kd wore a size smaller shoe then maybe the nets would have been in the eastern conference finals also Giannis showed up as well 40 points and for the time being he beat his free throw demons they said he was like six to eight on free throws after the crowd started counting to 10 and chris milton and true holiday stepped up when needed be chris milton was hitting key three-pointers Throughout the game, Holiday really didn't shoot the ball well that night, but he did hit shots that counted the most. He made like a step back three, a few mid range shots late in the fourth quarter. Also, can't forget about James Harden. He was in true playoff form in Game Seven as well. Five for seventeen for the game, two of twelve from three. <laughs> and I was watching Undisputed the next day, and someone questioned it. Like, can we blame the hamstring injury for James Harden' poor performance that night? And I can't remember who said it. They were like, hell given hardest playoff history and he shoots five for 17 one healthy you can't really blame the injury for this shooting performance <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know the bucks won so i stayed true to my word i drank whiskey straight from the bottle and if you see me drinking liquor straight from the bottle that means it had to be a special occasion of some sort it was jack daniel to be specific and that's where i got the podcast episode from jack boys you know drinking that jack daniel straight so with this loss Where do the Nets go? Well, I read that the Nets have KD, Harden, and Kyrie all under contract for the next season. But after that season, all three could opt out if they want to. I'm just going to make an educated guess right now. If they don't win the title next year, they're not signing all three of them players back. Granted, if they're all healthy, they will be the title favorite entering next season. But now, let's look into the Eastern Conference Finals. Game 1 is Wednesday, tonight. You know, I record on Wednesday, so by the time you hear this, the Bucks or the Hawks will be up 1-0. So how can the Hawks pull off their third straight playoff upset? Well, we know Trey Young is going to do what Trey Young does, average 29-10 in the postseason. So I expect him to stay on that pace. But the Hawks need to shoot better from three. The Hawks shot 32% from three against the Sixers, and that was below their regular season average of 37%. They got a lot of great three-point shooters on their team. You got Herder, Gallinari. Bogdanovic, and Trey Young. If they hit the threes at a better rate, then they got a chance. Also, role players need to step up like they did against the Sixers in key moments. The Hawks had five players in double figures in that game seven against Philadelphia. If they keep it consistent with like three or four players in double figures each game, you know, Trey Young with his 25 to 29 points. John Collins chip in with a 13 to 15 points. Capella gives you 10 to 12 points with putbacks and wild dunks and have one of those other three-point shooters give you 10 or so points as well then the Hawks will be good but I do see a mismatch like who's going to guard Giannis on the Hawks it's going to be Capella he may be guarding Brooke Lopez most of the time and you know Brooke Lopez never stays in the paint so Giannis might have a super highway to the basket uh so more than likely, I may see may see John Collins get him sometimes maybe Gallinari, and maybe Capella too, depending on, you know, situation and matchups. So how can the Bucs win this series and head to the NBA Finals? Just keep playing the same basketball that got you there. Let Giannis be Giannis. Let Milton does what he do from mid-range and the three ball and get a little bit more production from True Holiday, in my opinion. I don't know how much production because he'll be more than likely guarding Trey Young on the defensive end. And that's a lot to do, you know, guard their best player and put up, I don't know, eighteen. The 20 points a game. But I do believe if two of those three show up, the Bucks can win this series. But wrapping things up, we had a great weekend in basketball. We got some interesting matchups in the conference finals, and I can't wait to see who will punch their ticket and play for the title. <music> Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to give this podcast a listen. Thank you for all the likes, retweets, shares, subscribes, and any other way you support the podcast. It truly means a lot to me. Like I always say, I will not be here without you, the listener, and I thank you for that. So take care, be safe, and I will see y'all next time.